everybody, this is Evan Brand, back with Not Just Paleo Podcast. If you're new to the show, welcome. I'm so glad you came. This episode is with Wendy Myers, a nutritional coach, so we'll get right into the episode. We're talking about estrogen and how estrogen dominance is affecting the entire country because of our food, because of our environment, industrial chemicals, plastics, and a bunch of other subjects that can relate to this, and you may be suffering from it and not know it. So definitely tune into this episode and don't get overwhelmed because it could be very overwhelming because we live in such a toxic society today. So I'll let you get to the episode. Go rate this on iTunes if you have time. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. We're back with Wendy for another podcast. This is episode 12 now. So I'm very excited for this episode. We're going into a lot about estrogen dominance. So There is a lot of chatter in the health industry. It seems like there's a million websites, there's a million TV shows, there's a million doctors telling everybody what to do. And so we're trying to tune out the chatter today and stay focused on one topic. And my reminder is don't get overwhelmed, but the best results are going to come from making immediate changes and small changes and taking it day by day is was Wendy's advice to me. So... She's going to go ahead and just tell us what estrogen dominance is and why you should definitely know about this and start taking care of it. Well, hi, Evan. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. Good. Well, I'm Wendy Myers. I'm a health and nutrition coach in Los Angeles, California. And you can visit my website at wendymyers.me, M-Y-E-R-S.me. And I love um, you know all kinds of things about uh, weight loss, uh, emotional eating, and my favorite topic is uh, medical health conditions and how to take care of them naturally. And one of the most concerning uh, health issues that people face and don't realize it, it's very subtle, is estrogen dominant syndrome. And what that is, is just uh, excess estrogen in your body. And it doesn't have to be the, the hormone estrogen. It can, there's hundreds and hundreds of chemicals, uh, heavy metals, and estrogenic substances in our environment that mimic estrogen and act like estrogen in your body and screw up uh, your all kinds of systems in your body, including uh, unwittingly make you gain weight and have, give you an inability to lose weight. And so it's one of the probably one of the main health concerns in our society today. But conventional doctors don't really address it very much. They're not really aware of it, not really trained to recognize it. Some are the more progressive ones. So it's something you need to take a look at if you're you're having health issues and your doctor is not able to pinpoint them. What do you think it is about conventional doctors and conventional wisdom in the health industry? Why is it not catching up? Is it the pharmaceutical industry just holding it down or what is it? Yeah, because if something – the pharmaceutical industry has so much money and power. They have an absolute stranglehold on medicine and medical training. And that's why our country is 10 to 15 years behind other countries, other westernized industrial countries, because they have the money and they make the rules. And they have the laws passed, et cetera, et cetera, uh, favoring them. And um, estrogen dominant syndrome is not really something that can be treated with a medication, so there's no money in it for them. So doctors aren't trained. Doctors are trained to prescribe medications and do surgery. Anything outside of that, 
is just uh, considered quackery. That makes perfect sense. I knew it had to go back to the dollar. Oh, yeah. So did you find out that you were estrogen dominant and how would somebody go about doing that? Well, I discovered it just because I reached a point now I'm a turn 40 last year and I just was having, I had a baby, I was having trouble losing weight and I got tired of diet and exercising and it not working. So I went to my doctor. I have a naturopathic doctor even. She ran about $4,000 worth of tests. I said, find out what is wrong with me. So she just tested everything. Um, and she saw that my, she said my estrogen was really, really low. My adrenal glands weren't working so hot. She said I had the hormones of a menopausal woman and I was like, okay, great. Thanks. But there was really nothing. She wanted to put me on hormone replacement therapy, which I thought, you know, not for me. I don't think I'm quite there yet. And, uh, it's also very expensive and very difficult to monitor. And so after that, uh, went home without any answers. I happened upon this thing. I was researching a blog and I happened upon hair mineral analysis. It's called nutritional balancing with hair mineral analysis. And I went and got a test. It was real cheap. It was 250 bucks. And they're the ones that told me I was estrogen dominant. Where my doctor told me I had the estrogen levels of a menopausal woman, I was in fact estrogen dominant because of all the heavy metals, pesticides I had eaten my whole life, and a number of other factors. Um, so that's how I learned about it. That's great. I think this is something that needs to be taken very seriously. And if if today is the first day that you're hearing about it, take it extremely seriously. Don't you think so? Absolutely, because it so profoundly affects your health. I mean, there's a reason that almost 50% of people in the United States get cancer because they are uh, cancers feed on estrogen and estrogenic substances. That's what makes them grow. And uh, so if you don't address your estrogen dominance, you could very one in two chance you could get cancer. Wow. So. Uh I mean, not even, that doesn't even count all the other diseases and symptoms and health conditions that accompany estrogen dominant syndrome. Right. I guess that explains why cancer is an epidemic too. There's so many different things like this that go undiscovered or not talked about that lead to it. That oh, yeah. Just simply are either misdiagnosed or not treated at all. Yeah, I know, I know so many people whose parents have cancer. My father died of cancer. Not once have I ever heard of estrogen dominant syndrome or a doctor treating it. You know? That's actually terrifying. I think a lot of people think that it's okay to skimp on food quality. Would you go into a little bit about that just because I think people don't remember to get organic vegetables and fruits and they think that if you know just eating fruits and vegetables is good enough, but it's it's not going to cut it. Yeah, it's not because one of the main estrogenic substances in our environment are pesticides. And that's one of the reasons we're um, having a lot of problems with animals dying out, uh, especially reptiles dying out in the environment because there's so many pesticides in the environment. And it's so estrogen dominant that men aren't, uh, the, I mean, the, the males aren't being born or the male's uh, genitals are being uh, deformed. So it's like there's too many females, too many estrogenic males. 
And the same thing is happening with uh, humans as well, is a lot of men are, be, are being born with small penises, low sperm counts, deformed genitalia, in epidemic proportions, or they're not developing sexually. And so it's causing a lot of problems with, uh, because of the, and this is all from the pesticides, mainly. But anyways, back to diet. Um, when you eat, you know, non-organic vegetables, non-organic meat, you're consuming tons of pesticides. And, uh, and anytime you eat fast food, you're eating commercially raised cattle or poultry, they're all fed estrogen-like hormones and growth hormones that you in turn eat. Um, any commercially grown fruits or vegetables have uh, hormone-disrupting pesticides. And the past hundred years, several hundred billion pounds of pesticides have been released to the environment, and they don't break down. They're still in. They're still in the environment. They're in the soil. They're in your yard when you spray for bugs. They're at your school when they spray for uh, insects. They're at your home office. They're everywhere. So it's like not a big surprise where everyone is over. Two thirds of people are overweight, and half of people have cancer. That is insane. This is a hilarious but serious question. So are you saying that all these different effects are going to make my great-grandchildren's penis small? Well, not everyone, but there are <laughs> susceptible individuals um, where like, especially the children that are born near certain industrial factories or um, where they have heavy pesticide spraying like in farmland crop areas, they are – the the people are having problems. The, the males are being born with uh, small penises, deformed penises, all kinds of reproductive issues. It's very scary. And this is happening in such a short time. That's what's insane mm-hmm. to me is how fast this whole thing, the entire food has just – it's been completely altered in the past – what do you yeah. say, 50 years? Yeah, 40 or 50 years, Absolutely. Well, we started planting genetically modified foods, um, which are very more heavily sprayed with pesticides in the 1990s, mid-1990s. So since the 1990s, uh, pesticide use has increased dramatically and because of genetically modified crops. It's insane that it's that poisonous that you can see that many results in 20, 30 years. Oh, yeah. And not only that, but... Um, in the past 40 years, there have been a huge um, increase in estrogen-related disorders and cancers of both sexes. For instance, you know, the age of puberty has dropped to, to as low as eight years of age. Endometriosis affects 10% of all perimenopausal women. PMS affects close to 30% of women. Uterine thyroids affect 25% of women from age 35 to 50. Breast cancer affects 10% of women. And men, you have problems with the fertility, decreased libido, you know, like I said, the improperly formed sex organs, male breasts, and not to mention the whole population is just getting fatter and fatter. And these are all due to pesticides and estrogenic substances. Wow. Yeah, I was going to ask, how much do men get affected from this compared to women? Because I know it's dealing with, is it your progesterone? Is that how you say it? Mm -hmm. And your estrogen levels, is it that they're not in balance or is it just the estrogen is way too high over the progesterone? Well, the ratio of estrogen to progesterone is one part of it. Progesterone acts as an antagonist to estrogen. And so when estrogen levels is... People age, men and women both have estrogen. And as people age, their estrogen levels drop, 
but the progesterone levels drop even more. And when you eat certain foods and have certain heavy metals in your body and have pesticides in your body, these can either block progesterone or act like estrogen, further exacerbating the progesterone to estrogen ratio. Wow. Okay. So what were the what what are the main symptoms that women or men will be experiencing? Well, in women, they can have swollen breasts, uh, swollen hands and feet, irritability or bossiness, uh, cramps, uh, period ceasing or really irregular. They can have, you know, these are all symptoms of PMS. They can have migraines, uh, fibroid uh, tumors, ovarian cysts, endometriosis, uh, fibrocystic breast disease, fatigue, weight gain, which is the most notable symptom, breast cancer, PCOD or polycystic ovarian disease or syndrome, uh, autoimmune conditions, low blood sugar problems, and infertility problems. In men, uh, they can have a low sex drive, impotency or erectile dysfunction, infertility, gynecomastia or male breasts, uh, weight gain, enlarged prostate uh, or benign prostatic uh, prostate cancer and testicular cancer. Wow. Yeah, that's something I learned about at the gym is gyno in men, just from men taking different pro-hormones and steroids, and then once you get off of them, your estrogen levels stay high. There's a ton of bodybuilders at my gym that talk about experiencing gyno, but yeah, but you, you, don't, you don't even have to be messing with that. You could simply be eating conventional meat and mm-hmm. be getting those same effects. So Yeah. So I guess the main thing in our life that's causing this besides our environment is just the food that we're eating. So I looked up a couple things and what I found was just avoiding soy, commercially raised meat, and also caffeine. So, Yeah, and basically with uh, soy, there's a lot of propaganda out there about how healthy soy is. And the reason that's out there is because soy is a highly, highly profitable crop and it's a multi-billion dollar profit industry. So it's, it's really hard to find negative things about soy on the internet. Um, was when I first was starting to learn about nutrition I on the internet and it was all positive. I was like, great, I want to start eating soy. It's so healthy. Um, but when you really uh, figured out soy is one of the most estrogenic plants found in nature and it promotes estrogenic activity um, and it's really harmful to your body. And uh, uh, you know, your body recognizes the highly bioactive form of soy as harmful toxins that have to be neutralized or eliminated. And it should absolutely be considered a drug that disrupts your hormones. And uh, so I avoid soy at all costs. However, you can eat fermented soy products because the estrogenic substances have been, uh, you know, just obliterated when you eat fermented foods. It just changes the nature of the soy. So you can eat foods like soy sauce, tempeh, miso, or a little known uh, soy food called natto. And these are totally okay to eat. Okay, so what about soy milk? Is that just complete horrible for you? And do you recommend almond milk for people if they need milk at all? Yeah, soy milk is horrible. It's an absolutely highly, highly processed food. Um, It's very unhealthy for you. And I have a, a blog on my website called The Hidden Dangers of Soy. And that goes into detail about what a pretty much a non-food. It's a very processed, chemicalized food that's full of heavy metals. It's very difficult to turn a soybean into milk. 
So I would avoid that at all costs. And almond milk, perfectly healthy. Hemp milk, great. Just save the soy <laughs> for the for the vegans that are eating soy protein bars and whatnot. Absolutely. Yeah, I avoid soy also. I tell people to be careful when you're using a protein supplement, if it's a protein bar or actually mm-hmm. uh, just a mainstream protein powder. A ton of those have soy protein in them, I guess, probably due to cheaper cost than whey. I'm not sure. Oh, absolutely, because soybeans are so cheap. And actually, um, the soy protein isolate that's in these protein bars and uh, protein shake mixes is called uh, soy protein isolate. And it's really an industrial waste product. The food manufacturing business, um, you know, they produce soy oil. And so they. You cut out proteins. And so they had to figure out a way to market it. So they marketed it as soy protein isolate. And it's used as fillers in all kinds of foods, including fast food. And um, it's in soy protein isolates and everything. And people look at that ingredient on the label and think it's healthy, and it's not at all. What do you think the healthiest source of protein is? I think the healthiest source is uh, for like protein shakes. Yeah. Um, hemp protein is great. Uh, whey, uh, grass-fed organic whey protein that they sell that on Mercola.com. Um, also there's protein powders are for vegans that are, um, like all kinds of, uh, powdered sprouts and other types of proteins that are very healthy. Okay, great. Yeah. I say for, as far as actual food, best sources of protein, are you, are you with me on grass-fed beef? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely grass-fed, organic, um, you know, poultry and, uh, you know, beef, lamb, all that stuff is great. Right. Yeah, a lot of people that are my followers since this is called Not Just Paleo, of course, everybody is either new to paleo or they're very into paleo and they are always asking how important is the quality of the meat. And I tell them it's a hundred percent difference. Oh yeah, it's it's chemically different. Or like a commercially raised cow meat is completely different biochemically from a um, grass fed organic cow. Right. Yeah. I tell people that there's a lot of people that email me and ask me, I need budgeting tips because it's so much more expensive. But I tell them just to shift around your budget, and if you have a entertainment budget, cut from that. And add that to your food budget. I mean, it's just yeah. Because the thing is, people—it's an illusion if you're to save on food because you're either going to pay for it now with healthy food, or you're going to pay for it now with doctors' medications and nursing homes. Right. You're you're spending the money either way. Right. And I'd rather feel better now for the hopefully sixty years of you know energy and activeness and exercise that I'm going to get, I'd rather feel a million percent better now than live a mediocre life just to save some money so I could buy a nicer car, you know, something like that. Absolutely. And I actually have a blog on my website too called uh, Affordable Tip or Tips for Buying Affordable Food. Um, it's to figure out how, where you should spend your money if you're on a budget. Okay, okay. Awesome. Yeah. I'll put that in the show notes so everybody can find it and click it a lot easier and we'll put it on your your site too right okay so i guess the next thing that we should get into is the exercise portion of this and how yeah. exercise is going to relate to this estrogen in your life 
Okay. Oh, you know, before we start that, I want to talk about that coffee. You had mentioned about oh, caffeine. Oh, yeah, yeah, please, Actually, please. That's a big one because um, caffeine um, uh, is definitely linked with higher estrogen levels. And studies do show that women that consume at least 500 milligrams of caffeine daily, which is equivalent to four or five cups of coffee, had nearly 70% more estrogen than women who consume maybe well, a cup a day. So if you're drinking a lot of caffeine, that can be contributing to a bigger waistline and health problems down the road. Wow. Okay. So are you advising people to go for a dark roast caffeine-free, a decaf or? Yeah. Um, I definitely, you can still drink green tea because that's, you know, not that much caffeine in it. Um, you can drink herbal tea, you know, regular black tea isn't that much better than coffee. It does contain about half the amount of caffeine compared to a cup of coffee. Um, but you definitely want to trim down that coffee intake. You can drink one cup a day. That's fine. But any more than that, and you're going to be having problems with SS estrogen. Right. And also that can lead to adrenal fatigue, which is. Yeah what we talked about on the last episode, which was a definitely mind-opening mind podcast for me. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, let's let's get into just the lack of exercise okay. and how that could relate to it. And, you know, once again, to encourage people that once you're combining all these delicious organic foods that you're getting exercise to. Yeah, and definitely you have to exercise to metabolize excess estrogen. And... um you know, your exercise, the best exercise to do is probably, you know, a little bit more uh, aerobic training, cardiovascular training. And you don't have to do a whole lot. You can do, you know, exercise three times a week for, you know, 30 minutes to an hour. Um, you know, just try to maybe walk a little bit every day. Just you don't have to do a whole lot. But you do have to do some to help your body to metabolize the estrogen and get rid of the excess stuff. Okay, so for people that are more into fitness and they already have a routine, say someone who's just trying to gain weight, uh, you know, a guy or a woman who's trying to just build muscle and they're not doing cardio, do they need to start doing sprints and jump rope or? Not necessarily. Any kind of exercise is going to metabolize it, but I think cardio kind of gets your blood pumping a little bit more. And can get, you know, the substance in your blood moving a little bit more. But any kind of exercise is going to aid your body in metabolizing excess estrogen. Okay, great. Do you do you recommend HIIT, the high-intensity interval training for people, or are you more oh, for a slow aerobic exercise? No, definitely the high-intensity uh, training is a lot better. Um, just that's how our bodies were meant to exercise. It's actually how cavemen exercised. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> would run after an animal to chase it for food and they'd stop and rest and they'd run chase it another one and then they would rest and that's kind of how our bodies for millions of years have been conditioned to exercise and that's what we respond to the best absolutely and it i talk about it all the time it's such a snowball effect once you get going you can't stop moving once you get a routine oh yeah it makes you feel great that is amazing. I don't think people think about that much, but just we you know we talk so much about living primal and living like our ancestors since we're still wired like them. I yeah. don't think people or if you do, that's an amazing fact to think that we were basically sprinters and there I don't think there would have been any time where you would have needed to be a 26-mile endurance runner and No. You know, our bodies are not built that at all. 
so I, I tell people to shorten up it. I mean, I think many marathons are probably okay, but I just think the marathons cause more damage. The rich role he's a, he was an ultra triathlon, just crazy. He was into so much marathons and stuff. He has a podcast too, and he's got a book about it, but he talked about how bad marathons were for his life. Yeah. And he didn't realize it, and he woke up when he was 50 years old and realized that his lifetime endurance running and just um, any kind of long-distance, steady pace running, it just literally negatively affects you, and there was absolutely no positive benefit that he got from it. Yeah, I mean, our joints just aren't meant to handle long-distance running or even jogging. Our bodies just aren't not – they're not just not designed to do that. That's why people – who do lots of heavy training and running, their, their bodies just break down at some point. Right. Yeah. How do you feel about glucosamine chondroitin for joint pain? Do you think that – I've heard a lot of things that it doesn't work. Yeah. I think uh, the, the problem with that is um, the best thing to do is just eat bone broths because <laughs> that has all the stuff in it that you need to build your joints. It has uh, collagen and gelatin and tons of minerals and all the stuff that you need to build them. Uh, but glucosamine chondroitin, most people buy cheap supplements. Uh, they don't have uh, what's on the label. Uh, they um, they don't people don't take enough of it, and you have to take it for like you know two or three months, and you have to keep taking it to get the benefits. So the majority of the stuff out there is just a waste of money. Uh, a majority of the glucosamine chondroitin is a waste of money. Um, but you can take a high quality supplement, but you're just better off saving your money and just doing the old fashioned way. Eat some chicken broth. It's got everything you need. I completely agree with you. Thank you so much for saying that. And plus, I think that you're getting a synergistic effect from eating something or you know drinking bone broth as opposed to taking an isolated compound like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Your body just it doesn't really work that way with isolated compounds. It, it needs a whole complex of vitamins and minerals and proteins, and Mother Nature provides all that for the most part. Right. Are you taking or, or do you recommend taking fats with your vitamins for just bioavailability? Does that have a large effect? Um, it just depends on, on what it is. I mean, typically most minerals and the fat-soluble vitamins like A, D, E, and K, uh, you, they do need to be taken with fat, but most people are eating fats in their meals. So you don't you don't really have to worry about it that much. Um, most people are, are eating butter or oil with their vegetables in the morning or they're eating milk with their cereal or eggs or something with fat in it. So you don't have to worry about that too much. Okay, great. But it definitely increases absorbability. Right. Yeah, I know sometimes in the morning, I know you're supposed to some, – some you're supposed to eat a meal with and some you're not. But sometimes in the morning, I get in too much of a rush and you know, take my supplements, but I don't have that much of a breakfast. I'll just have like a, six slices of turkey bacon and then run to work. So. Oh, that's fine. Okay, great. So let's go a little bit into stress and okay. how this is affecting this estrogen also because stress is – once again, the no, the number one cause, I think, of this. Yeah, it's definitely one of them. Um, stress, you know, causes adrenal gland exhaustion. It causes adrenal fatigue, like we talked about in our podcast nine. And what that does is it reduces progesterone output. And like I said, progesterone is the estrogen antagonist and tones down estrogen. So this tilts the, you know, estrogen, you get excess estrogen. You have too much estrogen in relation to progesterone. And, you know, too much estrogen causes, uh, you know, insomnia, anxiety, 
um, it, you know, too much stress that just uh, eventually leads to further adrenal gland dysfunction. And then you have like all the problems and symptoms of estrogen dominance. Absolutely. Yeah, that's why it's so important to reduce it because there's so many different effects and then you end up getting your doctor to prescribe you an anxiety medicine when the stress that led to the high estrogen, which could lead to the anxiety, you know, it's just a, it's a crazy circle. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, there's so many things that contribute to estrogen dominance that you have, you have to be really proactive in looking at all the things that cause it and trying to mitigate those out of your life. Okay. You wanted to mention fatty liver. Could you go into that? Yeah, a lot of people have fatty liver. I think it's like almost like 20 or 30% of people. Um, it can happen if you're overweight or you just um, haven't been taking care of your poor little liver. You've been smoking or drinking too much and you get a condition called fatty liver. And the problem is the liver uh, filters out excess estrogen. Um, so if your liver is backed up, uh, it can't do its job and get rid of the excess estrogen. So it stays floating around in your body wreaking havoc. And so you want to avoid, you know, taking drugs that can impair liver function. Like even um, Advil or Tylenol are very, very toxic to the liver and can, um, you know, cause a lot of problems with them, including liver toxicity. So you want to try to, you know, resolve the underlying issues the underlying causes of your health issues, and try to avoid the use of medication if you can. Alcohol is another thing that has a major impact on estrogen. If you drink too much, you know, you eventually get cirrhosis. Alcoholic men uh, typically can develop gynecomastia or the enlarged breasts. They can also, you know, they have increased, you know, circulating estrogen levels just as high as women if they drink too much. And um, also breast cancer risks are higher for women drinkers um, because of the excess estrogen. Wow. Yeah, I think that you can almost spot someone who has high estrogen just by I, – I see them all the time at the gym. I mean I guess that you know guys could have been really large and got small, but most of the time you, you go up and you could talk to them for five minutes and then they'll say they're going out to the bar right after the gym. So it perfectly, oh, yeah. perfectly correlates to alcohol. Yeah, and beer, uh, the hops in beer is very highly estrogenic. So any guy that's got a big old beer gut, um, that is because of not actually all the calories from the beer, but just because the excess estrogen is causing that beer belly. Absolutely. So I guess the next thing we should go into is the most common estrogenic substances. We've gone over that a little bit as far as vegetables, conventional meats, and different stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But what else do you have in mind for that? Well, there's lots of things um, called xenoestrogens, and these are estrogenic chemicals that are produced industrially, and these are, they mimic estrogens and cause the symptoms of estrogen dominance, and these are, like I said, the the non-organic, commercially raised beef, chicken, and pork, um, the fruits and vegetables that are, you know, full of pesticides, uh, the commercial dairy products like buttermilk, cheese, and ice cream, um, that are use the recombinant bovine growth hormone, which is synthetic growth hormone produced by Monsanto. Um, so you want to eat raw, unpasteurized dairy if you so you can avoid that. Um, you want to avoid canned foods um, because they contain uh, BPA, the bisphenol A, and those those plastics are used to line the insides of cans to eliminate the metal taste in foods, but they're highly estrogenic. 
And then another problem is if you get any bottles that say BPA-free, well, BPA is a plastic hardener. And if they don't use BPA, they have to use another plastic hardener. So what they're doing now is companies are like kind of tricking consumers. And instead of using BPA, they use BPS or BPB, BPC, BPD, BPE. There's the 26, you know, biosphenols that they use to harden plastics. So if they don't use BPA, they are now using BPS which is actually 20 times more estrogenic and toxic than BPA. Uh, so that's a big concern. So you try, you want to avoid plastics in all forms whenever you can because they are estrogenic. Um, laundry detergent. Uh, laundry detergents, uh, all the commercial detergents sold in all the major retailers are made from toxic petrochemicals that are there you never fully are what they're not fully washed from clothes and they absorb right through your skin so you, it's much better to use a natural brand or use white vinegar baking soda or trisodium phosphate because those petrochemicals are estrogenic but same thing with dryer sheets and fabric softeners they those contain hundreds of toxic chemicals none of which have to be listed on the ingredient list um so those are things that everyone's using, contributing to their estrogenic problems. Uh, additionally, dry cleaning chemicals are really bad for you. Um, I had a friend of mine, her mother and three brothers and sisters, uh, their, their parents owned a dry cleaning plant, and the kids were raised in a playpen in the dry cleaning facility. All of them died the exact same form of leukemia. Um because of that early exposure to the dry cleaning chemicals are incredibly toxic. So I want to go to a green dry cleaners uh, if you can. Uh, one of the worst substances in our environment, and they're everywhere, are phthalates. Phthalates are plasticizers. They um, make uh, plastics really soft. So if you have a shower curtain or many of your children's toys or anything's made with soft, bendable plastic, are, contain phthalates. And what these do is every time you touch something that's soft plastic, a rubber floor mat, anything like that, it absorbs through your skin. <laughs> wow. These are really hard to avoid. Um, so you just want to get rid of anything in your house that's soft, flexible plastic. And phthalates are also in all perfumes. Phthalates are plastics that hold on to scents and they hold on to um, uh, scents and they hold on to color. So phthalates are in all the shampoos, nail polishes. Um, they're in all of the um, any kind of air fresheners or candles, any ingredient in termed fragrance in any product, which is everything at Target or Whole Foods or you know, all the major retailers. So these are probably the, the easiest thing to avoid. And as far as like avoiding uh, getting new natural shampoos and body washes and conditioners and makeup and all these things, it's just, they're just in everything. And that's why we have so many health problems. That is amazing. So how did all that stuff get snuck into the system? Was it just a lack of education on how dangerous the substances were or was it just greed and they knew? Well, no, these phthalates started being produced, the plastic started being produced, like I think in like 40s and 50s, you know, nylon, nylon pantyhose, those are made of synthetic petrochemicals uh, that contain phthalates and whatnot. 
Um, so uh, people just didn't know at the time. Now companies know, but there's a consumer demand for plastics. There's uh, there's you know people just want plastics. They make life easier. I mean, they're everywhere. They're in everything, and because it just they're in packaging, they're in, they're just in everything, and they just make life a lot easier. Um, and just every day, there's there's new plastics and new uses for plastics coming out. So, and they also they there's a cheap way to uh, hold on to you know scents and hold on to um, colors in products like makeups and shampoos. So that's what people want, and they're cheap. Absolutely, yeah. Plastic is actually terrifying. So, yeah. so you mentioned nylon. So, are, are you saying? Do you think that nylon clothes are also absorbing different things into your skin? Yeah, absolutely. Any synthetic uh, fabric is a uh, toxic to your skin, and, and that, again, um, there it's really, really hard to avoid synthetic fabrics, the synthetic blends. Um, e- even me, I wear synthetic clothes sometimes just because. The fabrics are really nice. They're soft and supple, and they feel nice on your skin, and they don't wrinkle. Um, but unfortunately, there is a price to pay. Wow. There's actually a book called uh, Killer Clothes by Brian Clement that uh, he, he goes into the, um, the details of the problems you encounter with synthetic fabrics. What is the name of that? Killer Clothes by Brian Clement. Okay, I'm adding it to my reading list right now. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah, I actually got some hemp pants for Christmas, so that was very cool. Great. Those would be very healthy, healthy clothes. <laughs> I, I think the brand, I, I don't know if it's Prada or Prava or what it is. I'm not a clothes guy at all, but uh-huh. I, I do know that they're pretty high-quality pants. And nice, nice. Everybody looks at them, and they're like, what are you wearing? Just because they look so different because they're – they're hemp pants, but they're comfortable. Yeah. I mean, people think that it's just for hippies, but hemp can be actually very comfortable and incredibly no, it's strong. So a wonderful uh, way to use to, to make clothes from. And it's incredibly strong too. I noticed mm-hmm. that, and I doubt these pants will ever rip compared to your typical cotton clothes. That's a hu- a huge other story that I li- I'd like to mention real quick is just the fact that the cotton industry is basically created out of a scandal also and that's the reason that we're all wearing cotton right now that's pretty that's pretty amazing so just a quick little thing is you know back in 1937 it was guy william randolph hearst and he's the guy who was basically the head guy for the cotton industry Mm -hmm. and basically he was scared because hemp was such a huge competitor and time magazine had actually created a huge centerfold for their magazine and it was going to be an article called Hemp, the Next Billion Dollar Crop. Yeah. And soon after that, of course, the Reefer Madness campaign comes out and all this propaganda comes out. And then hemp gets banned, not knowing that it is a plant that has no psychoactive chemicals in it at all. And that yeah. – I mean I guess that's yeah, – Hearst, Hearst had the money. I'm sure, I'm sure he paid someone very handsomely to – Get the FDA to ban hemp. Yeah, absolutely. And that's also the reason that we're deforesting Brazil right now mm-hmm. is just to get trees because we're using trees instead of hemp, which can grow to a full cycle very fast compared to trees that take 50 years to get to a 
nice size, you know? So yeah, um, hemp is an amazing, versatile, renewable crop. So it's just, I'm glad it's coming back. Yeah, there is a there's a couple different books. I'll put those in the show notes that I have on hemp. Just all the different uses from ropes and clothes to you know everything. It's crazy. Oh yeah. Well, you know, let me get back. I'll get back to some of the other xenoestrogens that I think are really important to mention. There's just it's so many. <laughs> yeah, please. There's just a couple other ones. Um, like I said, perfumes. You only want to use natural perfumes made with essential oils because almost all perfumes, even the really nice ones that like Neiman Marcus and high-end retailers are made from petrochemicals and are, uh, you know, carcinogenic. And then there's like parabens. Uh, parabens are in almost every item, again, in shampoos, soaps, makeup, body lotion and cosmetics and toothpaste. So you want to try to buy natural and organic um, because, you know, these substances that you put on your skin um, absorb at 10 times the dose that you would get if you just ate it. So you get, you're getting hundreds of times more exposure through your skin than your diet. So you want to make sure all the products like organic cosmetics you use are preserved with minerals, vitamin E, or a grapefruit seed extract rather than parabens. The parabens is a preservative. And you know, if you look on any shampoo in your bathroom, Go look on the back. It's got methyl paraben, propyl paraben, and all um, all different other kinds of parabens that they use to preserve it. So, because that's what consumers want, they they want the uh, their product to last for years and years and years on their bathroom shelf. So that's why parabens are put in them. Yeah, that's something that's not thought about very much. You think about your food, and of course, the advice is always to keep food that goes bad. Yeah, and, and if your food doesn't go bad, then that's not a good sign. Yeah, except for beef jerky. Beef jerky yeah. lasts longer, and it's delicious <laughs> and can be completely natural and safe. Yeah, that's what you want your beauty products too. You want them to uh, to not last forever and ever. You know, like six months, maybe a year. You're doing real good. Right, because organic what? products are are living also, no matter if they're you know cleaning products or whatever. Everything should have a life to it. I think it's kind of creepy that typical shampoo is, I don't even know, five years expiration or something. Not forever, that's forever. Well, there's so many preservatives in it and chemicals. So think about that next time you take a shower and maybe you'll switch to all water. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'd like to go into also the plant-based or the phytoestrogens. Yeah, please. Uh, that you can go to, like we mentioned before, soy is a bad one. Um, some of the most potent estrogenic plants are licorice and red clover. We don't encounter uh, clover that much, but a lot of people like licorice candies or licorice flavored things. And those are very estrogenic. So you want to avoid licorice. You also want to avoid a lot of the uh, polyunsaturated cooking oils like sunflower oil, safflower oil, cottonseed oil, or canola oil. And those are things that are in all processed foods. So obviously, you know, you got to avoid the processed foods and eat whole foods. Um, you want to use olive oil instead of those. Um, you also want to avoid black cohosh, which a lot of women use for menopausal symptoms. Um, but there's many reports that it has cancer-promoting effects and liver-damaging effects after long-term use, not to mention that it's very estrogenic. And you also want to avoid tea tree oil. 
um, because teacher oil, while it has many wonderful uses, it also can stimulate the growth of estrogen-sensitive cancers and cause gynecomastia in men. Right. So I want to yeah, I, I actually that. started avoiding tea tree oil. I wasn't aware of that until recently, and I was using tea tree oil if I would get cuts on my hand or something like that just to put yeah. some on. So yeah, I was using it too if I get a little rash here and there, you know, the – it takes you know fungusy rashes away, but causes there's other things to use. Yep, I think I'll just let air heal my cuts and everything as long as yeah. I don't get them infected. <laughs> you know, that's probably the the most natural route. Yeah. So, what are the metalloestrogens? Yeah, the metal. The recent recent research has shown that there's a a lot of previously unknown class of cancer-causing estrogen-mimicking compounds called metalloestrogens. And these are everywhere. You ingest them through the food, air, and water. You get them in medications. You get them just in everything. Um, aluminum, copper, lead, mercury, arsenic, nickel, cadmium, chromium, cobalt, tin, and uh, these are just, you know, metals, heavy metals that your body sometimes can use, but most of the time they, in everyone, they build up to toxic levels. And by the time you're hitting your 30s, 40s, 50s, a lot of people have built them up to such toxic levels in their body that they start, you know, and coupled with nutritional deficiencies, which most people have, uh, you start having various symptoms and health issues due to the overload and toxicity that your body just it can't handle anymore. It can't metabolize these substances out of your body anymore. And um, they also have estrogenic properties and contribute to the you know estrogen dominance. And I I use a program called the Nutritional Balancing with Hair Mineral Analysis. And um, that gets rid uh, that mineralizes your body so your body can uh, get the energy it needs to uh, get rid of you know all these you know toxic heavy metals. Right, and if somebody didn't listen to the episode last time, also infrared saunas is that the best way to detox from these? Yeah, infrared saunas is wonderful. That's what I use as well um, to because it just you just have to sweat them out. Um, a lot of people their metabolic pathways are broken down because of the uh, chemical and heavy metal toxicity. So if you get an infrared sauna, it just helps to re- helps your body to release the deeply embedded chemicals in your tissues and cells. Um, I also use uh, coffee enemas. Coffee enemas are a great way to cleanse your liver. Um, They they help your liver dump all of its toxins out and to be released through the intestines. And so if you have a fatty liver or you have a backed up liver, it's great to do coffee enemas to get rid of excess estrogen so your liver can start processing the estrogen and metabolizing it and getting it out of your body and causing harm. That's awesome. Yeah, I just had to mention the infrared saunas again and how beneficial they are just in case our new listeners don't go back and listen to the other episode, which is goes a lot more into that. Yeah, and on my website as well, I have a blog about infrared saunas and a blog about coffee enemas, very, very detailed instructions and find them um, and, and all of their you know benefits. So you can find them on wendymyers.me. Yeah, that's why I'm so grateful that I get to have you do this because your articles are the most in-depth articles that I think I've ever seen. Thank you. They're probably too long. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, it's you know, awesome. It's just short blogs to attract your audience. But 
or keep people reading, but you know, I just need to do my way. I got to do things very, very thoroughly and clearly because there's a lot of information to properly convey a topic. Right. So let's go into the diet to fix it beyond organic meats. Are there supplements that you can add to your diet as well? Like if your diet's already strictly organic, it's a very clean diet. And what are the main supplements? I know grapeseed extract you mentioned was great. Yeah, well, I was saying grapeseed extract in uh, as a preservative in beauty products. Uh, you don't necessarily have to take that as a supplement. And probably the best ones to take to clear your liver are milk thistle and also known as silmarin. Uh, this is a product. You can take it indefinitely. Um, you can also take it just once a month every year to help your liver clear your liver. It's totally natural. It's suggested dose. It's like two to, um, 200 to 800 milligrams a day. And this is great for protecting your liver from damage and clearing and detoxing the liver so that it can metabolize estrogen more effectively. Right. Um, another one is um, R-lipoic acid. Um, out, out there, there's alpha-lipoic acid and R-lipoic acid. The R-lipoic acid is totally natural lipoic acid. Uh, alpha-lipoic acid has, it's like half synthetic. So it's better to get R-lipoic. Uh, R-lipoic acid increases the effectiveness of other antioxidants. So it easily reaches all parts of the liver where other nutrients might have difficulty reaching. Um, so it also helps to regenerate uh, other essential antioxidants like vitamin C and E, coenzyme Q10, and glutathione. And glutathione um, is really wonderful and you to get rid of heavy metals and other chemicals out of your body, each molecule of heavy metal has to attach to a molecule of glutathione or lipoic acid or vitamin C. So you have to have all these um, you know, nutrients in your body to detox, to effectively detox. And what's wonderful about the coffee enemas is they increase your glutathione production by 700%. So when you do them, you, effect, you enable your body to get rid of all the toxins and excess estrogen that are causing all these, you know, symptoms in your body. That's awesome. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. Also, is there a certain quality or brand of milk thistle that you'd recommend? Because I've seen a lot of mainstream ones at your typical grocery store. Are those sufficient? <laughs> well, I typically, if I'm going to spend the money, I'd rather get a high-quality supplement from a reputable manufacturer because there's a lot of garbage out there. Um, there's mid-range ones that are fine, like Jaro. Um, I def- I love going pureformulas.com. Anyone, any formula on there is a very, very high quality. Um, I love pure encapsulations. Um, I love Montiv. Well, all you have to know is pure encapsulations is really good. Metagenics. Right, great- yeah, yeah, you mentioned Metagenics. I was wondering, when you have... Good quality. I know you need to have good quality multivitamins, multiminerals, good quality cod liver oil. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know if milk thistle and different, you know, smaller use supplements, more specific use supplements, if the quality mm-hmm. of those was as important as a high quality multimineral. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, when you get uh, cheap supplements, the problem is not necessarily the quality of the ingredients, but it's the additives they use in the manufacturing. Um, a lot of times they'll use cheap fillers or slightly toxic. They'll use cheap binders and, and pills that make the um, the active ingredient like the milk thistle uh, not be able to be absorbed because it's stuck in this cheap binder. 
They'll use magnesium stearate to coat the pills that makes it easier in manufacturing so the pills don't stick together. And there's a myriad number of other uh, ingredients that manufacturers use to make it easier for them to manufacture the product. Um, so that's what you really are more worried about in cheap supplements, not, not to mention the quality of the ingredients. Absolutely. So once again, that proves you get what you pay for. Absolutely. That's awesome. Okay, so we mentioned the exercise. So now that we're combining supplements, exercise, organic diet, reducing stress, all these things together, how long can we expect, just like adrenal fatigue, how long can we expect for you know, these results to take place? Well, you know, it can take a while. I can't give you an exact number because everybody is different. Um, I've been on a, an estrogen reduction program for about a year. I'm working very hard at it, doing my coffee enemas three times a week, doing my infrared sauna three or four times a week, organic diets, exercise. I'm doing everything I can, and it it still hasn't gone down. I'm still not back to normal. Um, so it does take a while, and especially the the worse off you are, especially if you have cancer, um, you, you just have to take really drastic measures uh, to uh, reduce your estrogen, you know, the estrogenic substance levels in your body. Absolutely. And, yeah. and even if you're a menopausal woman and you have really low estrogen levels, don't let that uh, fool you into a false sense of security that you don't have to worry about estrogen levels because, like I said, you have all those uh, estrogenic substances in the environment. Right. Yeah, I think a lot of people might get that confused also with the natural loss of estrogen as you age. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what I had very low estrogen levels, the estrogen levels of menopausal women, but I still was suffering the symptoms of estrogen dominant syndrome. Right. So pretty much, pretty much everyone um, needs to take a look at it because 50, about 50% of people are dealing with estrogen dominance symptoms without realizing it because they're very vague. They can be attributable to other conditions and the doctors are kind of just don't really know how to handle it. They're not looking for it. So you got to take matters into your own hands and address it. Right. Yeah. Let's go into a couple of the common mainstream doctor's mistakes and what are your other options? Um, well, again, the doctors, because they're they're just looking at your the estrogen levels in your blood, um, that are not really looking for heavy metals. They're not looking for testing for pesticide levels. They're not uh, they're just not looking in generally for estrogen dominant syndrome. And so, even if they did test, your doctor did test for heavy metals, he did test for uh, pesticides in your blood, or even did a hair mineral analysis, which a lot of doctors do, just because you got a good report back on any one of those doesn't mean anything because a lot of times these heavy metals are stuck in your tissues, they're stuck deep in your tissues, and they're wreaking havoc and they won't show up on a test. For instance, um, you know, I had a test done. It's called a Nutri-Eval. And it showed that I had some, a little bit of pesticides, a, a little bit of, just a little bit of elevated mercury. And I had a friend that had a hair mineral analysis done. It showed that she didn't have any heavy metal toxicity at all. But it's because it's in your tissues. I'm doing this hair mineral analysis program. The first test that came back, hey, I didn't have any heavy metals at all. I just had a little bit of mercury from eating too much sushi. 
And now that I'm on my third test, um, you do a test about every three to four months. On my third test, my body is finally releasing cadmium and aluminum. And uh, cadmium is extremely toxic and can eventually lead to kidney disease. Aluminum can lead to Alzheimer's. And these are, again, estrogenic uh, metalloestrogens. And they just don't show up until you're on an active program and constantly monitoring um, for these substances. Right. And I hate to say, but I think that the mainstream still has a conventional doctor that's probably going to judge when you bring this up to them, which is kind of sad. Yeah. Yeah. And you bring up hair mineral analysis. And what I was told before I did the program, because I was researching it and getting respected health practitioners' um, opinions before I spent my money on it, all of them were like, oh, it's not very accurate and blah, 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 blah. Well, it's not accurate when you just do one um, because that first test doesn't really show a whole lot. You have to be uh, do it in conjunction with a qualified practitioner that knows how to interpret it and knows that uh, the heavy metals and and mineral levels and stuff are hidden and that will eventually, uh, those levels will change when you're on a remineralization and detoxing program. Right. Once you understand that the doctor's studies and all of the schooling and stuff like that has been manipulated by money, and different companies paying off conventional doctors and, you know, different – I mean how do we know the validity of the studies is what I'm saying. Some of them are – I don't know. I don't know if we know 100 percent about all the studies and all the different research that we get. Like you, you mentioned that you can't find bad things about soy on the internet. So that's just one example. Yeah. Well, there's there's lots of stuff going on on the internet where um, – and in studies in general where uh, the pharmaceutical companies and universities and – um, all kinds of uh, companies, soy manufacturers or any kind of food manufacturer, they conduct their own studies. They pay to have studies done. They pay to have very reputable doctors and uh, researchers publish this information. And uh, it comes out as uh, a fact, like that soy is healthy or a fact that uh, statins lower cholesterol for an example, and it's just, uh, or the statins are helpful in rather reducing heart disease or preventing heart disease, and it's just complete hogwash. I I have a really hard time trusting a lot of research because, um, you know, I have done a lot of research on research methods, and um, a lot of research methods and are faulty. The, the studies are not um, designed properly. They're not conducted properly. The uh, the results are falsified, even with very reputable researchers, very highly respected researchers at universities. It's all about money. And the people who pay for the research want the results to be in favor of the researcher. They want the results that they're paying for. And when someone's paying millions and millions of dollars to have a study done, guess what? If you don't get the results that they want, you don't get money, the funding next year to continue your your research. So unfortunately, a lot of studies out there are faulty and a lot of mainstream doctors depend solely upon uh, research conducted by the pharmaceutical industry upon which to make their decisions. And, and they just won't even, they don't even want to hear about it. anything, anything, any kind of medical treatment, any kind of um, uh, supplement, unless there are uh, clinical trials done or research done on it and it's just not that's just not going to happen yeah absolutely if people think that it's some kind of conspiracy it's definitely a conspiracy going against us yeah absolutely and 
if you aren't taking a second guess at the health industry yet, which you should be by all the obvious mistakes and just miseducation about things, if you haven't taken a second look, this is a good time now because once you start treating yourself and going off individual studies that you have, have you know you've been able to connect to the person who's done the study rather than some hierarchy oh this is what is good for you you know now we have access to different things like deprivation tanks for meditation for people and so even we're going to probably look at the way that psychologists are treating things too in the future do you think so yeah well i mean yeah there definitely is i think a big surgence of um like alternative treatment methods because the the treatment methods we have now which are medications and surgery or for psychological problems or a lot of medications are they're just not really working that well they do work for some people um, but I think typically uh, people do need to look to alternative medicine and alternative treatments and get back to simpler treatments, diet and me- diet and natural supplements um, first before they, I think, medications and some of the more harsh uh, treatments and treatment methods are kind of should be last resort. Absolutely. And that's something that should almost feel like common sense to people because – the human race did not get here from pills and packaged yeah. foods and suave shampoo and perfumes and televisions everywhere and chaos everywhere. You know, we didn't survive. We've never survived in this type of environment before. And so our bodies are freaking out. And yeah, once you can apply different changes like this, it really will shape your entire life and it'll shape the way that you view the entire world. I know it's changed a thousand percent for me. Yeah. And you know, the, the, uh, the one thing you have to remember if you take away anything from this podcast is that the underlying cause of all health conditions, majority is nutritional deficiencies and heavy metal and industrial chemical toxicity. And so you have to eat a healthy diet and you have to take uh, namely mineral supplements. That's what most people are missing. And you have to do a continuous detox program in order to get these chemicals out of your body because your body, our bodies just aren't equipped to metabolize them. Thank you so much for this. Yeah. Thank you. It was great. This was awesome. I hope that we can open some people's minds. You definitely educated me on some stuff. So thank you so much again. Yeah, you're very welcome. And if you want to find out more information about everything I've talked about in this uh, podcast today, you can find me on wendymyers.me. And I do personal health coaching and I also do uh, group health coaching where you can just call in and listen to me talk about all kinds of health topics. Absolutely. And if you just want to send Wendy an email and say hi or ask a couple more questions about this, she will definitely respond with an amazing in-depth answer because I definitely got one. For yeah, a lot you can of stuff email me at uh, live to one hundred and ten at wendymyers.me. Yeah, I get, pick my brain. Yeah, well, thanks again, and we'll definitely do this in the future on another crazy topic. So, thank you so much. Great, thank you so much, Evan. It was nice talking to you. Yeah, you too. Yeah, I
Is it better?